0: And so you've joined us for the second week of our series as we see who God is. One God, yet three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. To catch you up, one of the things we learned last week was that at one point or another, the truth of God or God's truth will go beyond our logic. It will be not possible to understand how this all works. And, and we even said that if you do understand the Trinity, how they all work together, you have more right to speak here today than I do. So. That's going to be important again as we consider the second part, Jesus. In our lesson, it calls Jesus both the Son of God and the Son of Man. And we know that he is 100% God and 100% man as the Bible describes him. And yet, if you're a math person, you know that's not really good math. Um, we don't know how that works. And I think uh, today's topic is, is probably the most grand. And uh, why I'm so excited to preach to you today, I have a video to show you why I'm so excited um, as we are in this quest to know who God is uh, turn your attention to this video
1: ever wonder what God looks like I know I have I know as far back as I can remember I've wondered but I've never been satisfied with where it got me I've thought of God as an old man a nice grandfather figure but one who's a tad fragile not someone who can defend me when I'm threatened. I feared him as a strict principle, an ever-present policeman who was always nagging on me and just waiting to thumb me as the guy who did it. I once considered him to be my good luck charm. All I had to do was call on him and hopefully he would come serve me and give me what I want, my own personal genie in a bottle. I even pictured him as an absent landlord, someone I have to pay rent to, and frankly, probably someone who has a lot better things to do than bother with me. And I've imagined him other ways. But all my images of God are just too small. All of them, that is, except one. God has told us in the Bible that he is spirit. It does not detail his physical appearance. And in fact, it reminds us that no man has seen God at any time. But the Bible also tells us something else. It tells us that God became flesh. It tells us that Jesus makes it known what God is like. That he is the visible image of the invisible God. That in Jesus, all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form. It tells us that Jesus himself said, he who has seen me has seen the Father. If you know me, you know my Father. The Bible also says that Jesus' body was not stately in form or appearance that we should be attracted to him. But his person, wow, talk about attractive. When you talk about the person of Jesus, You don't find yourself talking about his strong points. You marvel that he is the exact representation of the nature of God. Every good attribute and characteristic of perfection was seen in Jesus. Want to know what God looks like? Then take a look at Jesus. See how he handles the oppressed. Watch how Jesus pursues those that are lost. Notice how he deals tenderly with friends. Be amazed at how he loves and offers forgiveness to his enemies. Look at how he stands strong in the face of death. Notice how he sacrifices himself for the good of others. Watch how he respects those in authority, and yet how he bows to no one. Observe how he handles hypocrites, betrayal, and deceit. Look at his response to dead religion, burdensome traditions, and the arrogance of men. And yet, notice how children run to him. Watch him serve his world and lead his men. Always loving, never failing, continually forgiving. Want to know what God looks like? Look at Jesus.
0: So that's the awesome news about our study for today. If you've ever wondered what God is like or, or how He would operate on earth or, or how He did he operate with us, we just look at Jesus' life as it's recorded all in Scripture. And we get to see who He is and what He's done. And this journey for understanding who God is and even understanding the journey of Jesus will never be over. In fact, in studying to prepare to preach to you today, I was reading from Luther's large catechism. And he was talking about Jesus as Son. And, and he had this to say about the truth of Jesus as Son. He said, this, this article is so rich and broad that we could never fully learn it. And really that's our quest the rest of our church life is to look at who Jesus is and what he's done in his ministry and how he acts and and how this reflects in our own lives and what it means for us. And so today our goal is not to cover everything the Son has done. We could never do that. But our goal is to hone in on one specific portion of Scripture and hone in on one specific fact that Jesus is Savior. So let's get into the Word of God for today. It's recorded uh, by a disciple of Jesus named John. He recorded it thousands of years ago and uh, we have it before us about Jesus' claims of himself. Let's read from John chapter 5. It said, So because Jesus was doing these things, healing on the Sabbath, the Jewish leaders began to persecute him. In his defense, Jesus said to them, My father is always at work to this very day, and I too am working. And for this reason, they tried all the more to kill him. Not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own Father, making himself equal with God. Jesus gave them this answer. Very truly I tell you, the Son can do nothing by himself. He can do only what he sees his Father doing. Because whatever the Father does, the Son also does. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all he does. Yes, and he will show him even greater works than these, so that you will all be amazed. For just as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, even so the Son gives life to whom he is pleased to give it. Moreover, the Father judges no one, but has entrusted all judgment to the Son, that all may honor the Son just as they honor the Father. Whoever does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. Very truly I tell you, whoever hears my words and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged, but has crossed over from death to life. Very truly, I tell you, a time is coming and has now come when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God, and those who hear will live. For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son to have life in himself, and he has given him the authority to judge because he is the Son of Man. It's hard not to see the interaction between Father and Son here, hard not to notice the claims of God which we get to consider. And two different descriptions of Jesus, both Son of God and Son of Man, just in that bottom paragraph, which we get to explore and its implications for us today. So let's have fun investigating the Son. You know, even if this is your first time in church in in ages, um, you've probably heard the name of Jesus. In fact, Jesus' name is probably the most popular in this country and every other country. He is the most popular figure throughout all time. And because of this, there are many different ideas and opinions of who Jesus is. Some might say that Jesus was a really, really good person. Here to show us a good example. In fact, that was Gandhi's take on Jesus. Gandhi had this to say about him. He said, I know of no one who has done more for humanity than Jesus as a good person. There are others who would say Jesus is a great teacher and prophet. In fact, many from the the religion of Islam believe that he is one of the many prophets, just like Muhammad, not God, but a great teacher. Still others say that he is one of many gods, an option, so to speak. This is the case of Hindus and Jehovah's Witness. In fact, Jehovah's Witness go forward to change the Bible. Even that first verse of the letter we're considering, John, and they, they have written, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was a God as in one of many instead of just God. So many different takes and then there is the claim that we're considering today that he's true God. Now I don't know where you are in your walk of faith. And I want you to know if you're investigating Christianity, if you have questions about it, you're in a safe place and we welcome you. And and, and our goal is, is not to convince you otherwise but just to say what the Word of God says and for you to consider it here. I don't know if maybe you've grown up in church and maybe this is Uh, been something you've considered for a while, but but I would say that what you land on when it comes to Jesus will be important for your faith life. Wherever that lands, whether it is a person, a teacher, one of many gods, or the God, will be very important for what happens for the rest of your life. So what are you going to do with Jesus is my question for today. And with that question, we get to explore his work and his claims about himself. So let's get into what he claimed about himself as recorded by a disciple who walked with him. The scenario is that Jesus was healing on the Sabbath and this made the legalistic Pharisees just all upset. And when Jesus walked on earth, he wanted to follow God's will, but he had no time for lifeless traditions that were put on top of God's will. And so he didn't care. And and look what he says to those who are persecuting him for healing on the Sabbath. Look at verse 17. He says, My Father is always at work. We talked about that last week. You can shut down the government but you can't shut down what God the Father is doing. He's at work to this very day and so I too am God. And they knew what this meant. The disciple John knew what this meant. It meant that he was claiming himself to be equal with God. That's what he claims. And and if you think this is an isolated incident, um, the Apostle Paul, who would later come, um, said this about Jesus. He said that In Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. And so, again, if you were to pick a percentage of what Jesus claims for himself, and what Paul says is is a percentage that he is God, it would be 100%. Jesus claiming to be God. Now, people understanding what Jesus has claimed have said, well then, that makes Jesus one of three options. That Jesus is either a liar, a lunatic, or Lord. Did you get it? If he claims to be God, he's either a liar, lunatic, or Lord. He's a liar in the the realm of uh, David Koresh. Do you remember David Koresh? Back in the 90s, Waco, Texas, uh, literally went down in flames. um, And he was one who said, I am the Son of God. Not much came of that. A lunatic. If I told you that I was the Son of God and I tried to prove it, you might think there's a screw loose and rightfully so. And you'd find out quick that I wasn't. Or Lord? Is what Jesus claims actually what he was all about? Is that the truth about this character, Jesus? We get to explore his work. And his work even recorded here. And, and, and let's, let's uncover the work of Jesus on our behalf to see again if he is that Lord. To talk about Jesus' work, I wanted to talk about gym class. Does anyone have their favorite classes being gym class? Anyone? Favorite class? All right, thank you very much. And uh, I love gym class. I remember um, we played dodgeball, and that was like the height of my athletic prowess, was seventh grade dodgeball. It didn't get any better. Um, I don't know if you remember, do they still have physical testing? Do they do that, government physical testing? And so, you know, um, they they have you stretch, and let's see how far that goes, and the push-ups and the sit-ups and the ridiculous pull-ups, which just is hanging for me, but... uh, And I don't know if you ever came across this challenge. Um, It it was another ridiculous one. Uh, The the rope climb. You guys see that? Now, now this was always just kind of laughable to me because the only way I'm going upwards with a single rope is if I tie that rope around myself and there is an intricate pulley system and someone really strong tugging on the other end. I don't know about you. The rope climb, kind of incredible. Have you ever had one of those impossible tasks? I watch American Ninja Warrior. Anyone see that? And and there's the Salmon Ladder, which is like pull-ups with this other crazy things. There's a Mount Midoriyama, which only a few have ever conquered and challenged. And and, and man, you got to be athletic to do that. Well, I want to transition from this physical challenge into the spiritual realm to let you know what God wants for us as Coach of Life. It's not a rope challenge. His, here's his demands, his expectations. He says, I want you to be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. There it is, folks. Can you do the rope climb? <laughs> and there was one, I want to tell you a story, of one who thought he was there. A rich young man approaches Jesus, and he says, how do I get to you? And he, he, he's prompted by Jesus, well, what do you think? And he says, well, i got to love you, or God, above all else, and i got to love my neighbor. And he's like, yeah, you're right. Yeah, do that and you will live. And then he's all happy like, yeah, I did that. All right, I'm good to go. But, but Jesus doesn't let it off the hook. Maybe you know how the story ends. He says, I also want you to sell everything you have and follow me. Now, does he do it? Do you know this story? He doesn't. He goes away sad. Because he knows that when it comes down to it, his heart isn't fully on God. His heart is torn. He wasn't perfect. I don't just mean to set him up as a straw man. What about our own lives? You ever have really good weeks when you're like firing on all cylinders and like when people see you, they see Jesus because it's just, it's just love. And, and, and sometimes it's not often. We just feel really good about what we're doing. You know, I was really kind to my neighbor. They, they needed something. I was there. Um, I even shared my faith. I donated to charity. I volunteered. And I hear my volunteer hours. I had someone sign it. Everyone knows. And, and when people see me, man, they just see love. Yeah. Now, let's say you do that for a good week, that'd be pretty good, right? Everyone sees you, they basically just see love and Jesus. And what happens if the next day after this week you wake up and you see your husband left the clothes on the floor, and I don't know any husband who'd do that, but, um, and you have this bad thought about your husband and it's not so cool to be married right now? Now, if that's the case, you had a really good week but that upsets you and you had some bad thoughts, Have you climbed the top of the rope? Have you met the expectation that God demands of us? The answer is not at all. Not at all. And to clarify, James. Man of God, he tells us, he says, you know what, you can keep the whole law. Let's say you go a week, let's say you go 30 years, let's say you go 80 years. But if you stumble, if if one bad thought about your husband or your wife or their clothes, wherever they are, is guilty of breaking it all of it. At one point or if you fail once, done. You know, it's like one wrong answer, fail. Now transition back to Jesus. What if Jesus is only a teacher? If he's only a teacher, when I go back to that rope climb, was my problem knowledge about climbing a rope? Maybe a little bit. But if someone would spend hours, weeks, and even months teaching me on how to climb a rope, I would admit to you I still wouldn't have been able to climb the rope unless someone gives me a new body. The knowledge wasn't my problem. And so if Jesus is just your teacher telling you how to be good, You know, you're going to love better if you follow Jesus' word, and you're going to serve better, and you're going to be a better spouse, and you're going to be a better worker. If that's his primary goal, I want you to know he has still left you without hope and without a clear future because you still have to face the punishment that is to come. Picture it this way. If Jesus is teacher, doesn't it make his life extremely cruel? Like if his only goal was to teach, I don't know about him, but I would have like signed a deal with Zondervan, and Jesus probably would have wrote pretty well. I would have bought a house in Malibu with an infinity pool and I would have been done teaching. I could teach that way, right? If I'm just teacher. But is that Jesus' life? I mean, look at the Garden of Gethsemane. In the Garden, he's saying, you know, Father, if there's any other way, if I could sign a book deal, if I could do anything, please! But there wasn't he was just a teacher his cross is really cruel isn't it that the father would allow his son to brutally die for what to teach us how to be good to set an example i guess we should all die on a cross what, what does that mean you know where i'm prompting don't you his work wasn't about teacher his work was about saving Look at verse what 21 says about his work. He says, Just as my Father raises the dead and gives life, even so the Son, what does he do? What does the Son do? He gives life. We just sung that, didn't we? You're the giver of life, the giver of life, the giver of life. And his goal to give life isn't by having you do the rope climb. It's by coming into this world and climbing that rope for us and saying, you passed because I passed. And we heard that in the first prophecy of Jeremiah as we considered his first lesson. He is the Lord, our righteousness, the righteousness and perfection we could never be. He was for us. And so here are truths that we learn. We could never be good enough to get to God, but as a Savior, He attains what we could never attain. And he had to be what he was to do it. He had to be fully man and fully God to do it. He had to be fully man so that the punishment and the pain was satisfied and it was real. Because as full man, he could bear all that pain and he could give his life on a cross. But he had to be true God. So that living under temptation, He'd be perfect. So that after three days, He would rise again and tell us and and verify that as He rose, we too shall rise because He has power over death. This is Jesus, your Savior. This is what we've come to hear about, isn't it? That you have peace through God. Not of your own doing, but because of a Savior who came into this world out of love for you. And if this is our view of Jesus, if we have faith in this, there's a beautiful end story. Can I tell you about that end story, the end result of having Jesus as Savior? To talk about this, I want to talk about what's coming up in 2016, the Olympics in Brazil. Anyone get into Olympics, really like watching? And I must say, when I see that logo, I am a bit bitter. Now, does anyone know why I'm a bit bitter? Read my mind, right? Because in 2016, who could have hosted the Olympics? Chicago, yeah. And I don't know how it's going to be in Rio, but I think down to my core, no, I didn't want to pay more taxes. That's not what it was about. But I wanted people to come to our city and have Portillo's Italian beef sandwiches. I wanted them to go to the donut vault and see those are the best donuts in, ever created. I wanted them to be on the high rise, looking over Lake Michigan, and, and feel how we all feel when we get that vista. And, and something in me says they really missed out. And here's my wonder. I wonder if anyone on the Olympic Committee when they're in Rio says I wonder what it would have been like if we went to Chicago. And I could fill in the details and tell them it would have been awesome but you missed out. Um, Have you ever done that with your own life? Have you ever looked back and said I wonder if I would have done this or not done this how life would be different? I wonder if I never would have went on this date where would my life evolve and go from there. I wonder if I would have never accepted that job offer. Uh, Would I be living here or what would life look like? I wonder if I never went out for that sport, what friends I would have met, where it would have led, if I would have never gone to that school. We always kind of look at the different life trajectories. Wonder if. Jesus presents the wonder if. And Jesus' work and its result is about getting us to a much different life trajectory. That's the result of his work. Look at verse 24. It says, Whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life, will not be judged. He's crossed over from going to Rio to Chicago. Just kidding. He's crossed over from going to death to life. And here's the truth that without Jesus, this world can be extremely dark. And we can feel directionless. We can feel lost. We can feel without purpose. And and sure, we can have fun. And sure, there'll be momentary pleasures without Jesus. And and sure, not all will be bad. But as far as a long-term gain, no true hope, no true direction. Only death. And, And this for an eternity. As you read the words of the second article, as we confess our faith without Jesus, we believe that we'd be lost and condemned creatures, just living in darkness. But what does Jesus do? He says, I know you're headed that way, but I got a better thing for you. I put you on a new life trajectory. And you're no longer children of the darkness, but children of the light. And even if following me here on earth is not easy, you have a future in store for you. And you have a treasure that can never be stolen, taken away. You have your greatest need met because you have peace with the Holy Father. This is Jesus who sets us on this drastically different course. So that now we have eternal life. And it is so sure that even if Jesus came back today or we died tonight, we would be in heaven with the Lord. It said we have eternal life right now. So what will you do with Jesus? I hope you had fun investigating with me. This Jesus claimed to be God, not just a teacher or a good man. This Jesus did some great work to give life to us in a new trajectory. My prayer is that through the power of the Holy Spirit, He so works in your heart so that you too can confess Jesus is not only my Lord, He's my Savior. Amen. Please stand.